Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. today is a leading transformative figure. She's a globetrotter having spent a number of years in various locations working in various leadership roles. Currently she is an SVP in a blue chip corporation where she brings a wealth of knowledge in the business digital transformation space. This is the new series on Heads Talk where we talk to executive C-suites and leaders in the technology and financial industry about all things financial and data and the impact on some of these tech developments have had on the sector. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Eurus. Eurus Private Capital Forum is transitioning online with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. Launching this coming February, Euros 2022 will bring together 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Reshma Ramachandran is the Group's Senior Vice President and Head of Transformation for the ADECO Group. She's currently based in Zurich, Switzerland, but has had, in her 20 years experience, a number of leadership roles in a number of locations across the globe. Previous roles include, but not limited to, Vice President and Head of Engineering at ABB and Director Programme Management at Alstom. Reshma is an advocate for STEM education for women and has mentored many young women in universities, encouraging them to opt for STEM careers. She actively champions the business benefits of employing an effective inclusion strategy and has been a voice of change both inside and outside of organisations. She has been recognised for her work with a plethora of awards and has been featured in a number of publications to include Forbes. Let's hear from her about the topics in this new series. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Reshma to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thanks, Elaine. And- Wonderful to be here with you today. Fabulous, fabulous um, to have you here today, Reshma. Um, Let's begin with this quandary. You're an advocate for STEM, as I mentioned in the introduction, in particular for women and minority groups. What about financial education and the need to be quite literate in this space? As you see, more and more women are and will become financially independent. And this is happening at a great rate in countries like China and presumably in India. Should financial literacy be on par or perhaps higher in priority than the current big drive for STEM? And does the rise in FinTech solutions aid with the process to bring about a sense of urgency here? So where should the priority be, especially for women and girls? STEM versus financial literacy. So simple answer, STEM. And I'll tell you why I think it is STEM. It's not just because I'm a strong advocate of STEM education, Mm -hmm. but I'm also a true believer that, you know, going forward, 
maybe it's like five years, as early as five years, we are not going to have any industry per se that says it's financial or retail or education, but it's going to be more technology mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. However, focused on something niche, as niche as financial education, staffing, whatever be the niche part of it. So mm-hmm. I truly believe that technology has disrupted and will continue to disrupt any industry. So take financial industry, for example, this is not the same uh, financial industry as we know it from 20 years back. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everything in the financial industry has been disrupted by technology. So if I had to choose and if I had to put the priorities and my bets on, it would definitely be STEM. Not to not to undermine the importance of financial literacy, so to say, mm-hmm. but definitely STEM. I, I think I think you've changed my mind. I I was for financial literacy first before STEM, but as you say, with the way technology is disrupting everything and changing everything, the financial literacy that I understand today is not going to be the financial literacy of 20 years time. So beautiful answer. Thank you for that, Reshma. And um, let's move on. Okay, with the digital revolution paralleled with the pandemic, cybersecurity concerns have increase exponentially. Um, Security breaches are getting more and more sophisticated. Talk to my listeners about some of your concerns in this area and the work that has been done to try and mitigate against this. Uh, so it's the same thing as as the first part that I was talking about. You know, technology has disrupted every sphere, every aspect of our lives. So mm-hmm. has data. Mm-hmm. So which means that you know, as is with anything else in life, there are pros and cons to it. The, pros and cons to the data as well, mm-hmm. right? So this, the security breaches that we uh, we see today, and I talk about the most recent one that uh, I was concerned about, which was on LinkedIn, because I'm, as like as is with you, Elaine, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So as, as recent as the June uh, episode of, uh, I think it was 700 million user data that was breached on LinkedIn. So uh, this is going to be a continuing concern. The more data we, uh, have, the more data um, that will actually be exposed to cybersecurity threat. Um, Now, how do we contain that? I think this goes in in hand in hand with the uh, evolution of technology. So as technology evolves and as the data usage uh, evolves, uh, one of the concerns and one of the focuses for most of the industries and most of the organizations is also how do we protect the data? Because it's not our data, right? And I'm in an industry where we handle a lot of individual information. So it's not it's not the company's proprietary data. It's the data that belongs to different individuals. So which means that we are actually putting privacy at threat. So more and more focus is actually going in that direction together with how technology can enable our lives, how data can actually enhance efficiency. However, the focus is shifting as well towards the cybersecurity breaches that are uh, that we see on a daily basis, I would say even mm-hmm. um, if not if not uh, if not uh, more frequent, um, is actually how industries and organizations are also putting equal investments, uh, not not just in the disruptions around technology and data, but how do we also address the cybersecurity concerns? All right, but so w- which tech space would you say has the greater battle with breaches more so than others? So in terms of tech. Uh, I still think, you know, when we talk about technology, there is a large element of data in it, right? So data is the biggest uh, area of threat in my point of view. Uh, 
-hmm. uh, where, as I said, as individuals, our concern is also around the privacy threats that we have. So beyond that, and I, I was in the power and energy industry, you know, when you talk about uh, power grids, for instance, there is a lot of threat around uh, uh, hackers hacking into the grid and the blackout, if you remember the blackout in California, I think it was a couple of years ago. This was as a result of like the hacking and the, and how do you, you hack into the grid and then, you know, you, you're manipulating the grid, so to say, right? Mm -hmm. So from a, from a, a personal point of view, I believe the biggest threat that we have is around the data, because if you see the amount of that data that we generate and on a, uh, uh, even on a minute basis, is like huge compared to 10 years back when, you yeah. know, data was like so less. Mm -hmm. mm. I agree with you on that. Um, let's move on to the next bit. Um, I had a conversation with a leader um, a chairman, in fact, it was a previous guest on Heads Talk, in, in, from a large multinational company, and he and he happened to be based in India. He talked about the developments in that country in terms of the technology ecosystem, the incredible innovation coming out of the very young minds, and just the drive, the and energy, and the buzz that's happening there. Let's talk about this further. Um, how would you say the digital revolution has transformed India's economy? You know, what are you seeing with how digitalization and in particular fintech has transformed elements of a B2C environment in the country? So when you talk about India, I want to take you back probably 30, 40 years back in time. So before, mm -hmm. you know, digital uh, transformation and digital was really the password or technology was even the password. Mm -hmm. So India actually moved into the software services space. So a lot of the uh, organizations that you hear about today, TCAs, Infosys, all of Wipro, all of this is actually the birthplace is India. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, I would say the revolution or the impact of technology happened about 40 years back. And this also created a lot of not only a, a, an opportunity for jobs, but also because there was opportunity for jobs, this also actually opened up doors for education. So there has been a huge uh, impact because of the software services uh, being uh, born out of India on the whole economy. Now, if you fast forward 30, 40 years, what I would what I'm the trend that I'm seeing is, you know, uh, despite uh, the growth that India is experiencing and despite the economic potential that India has, there is still about 40% of the people out of the one and a half billion population that India has is still below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. However, this is not actually uh, prevented people from having mobile phones. Yes. So a lot can be done over a mobile phone. So if you see the whole population of India, I would say 70% of the people have access to a mobile phone, a smartphone. And this is where the true revolution has happened in my point of view. So if you take Amazon, for example, because of the whole revolution that has happened, an artisan, which is sitting in rural part of India, who cannot sell her, uh, her uh, you know, handcrafted things just in that rural part, because nobody would have the economic buying power, uh, a platform like Amazon, which you, you can operate out of your smartphone, has completely like changed the economic potential of that single woman sitting somewhere in the rural part of India. Mm -hmm. So same thing I would say has gone on the fintech side because everything you can operate out of a smartphone, there are so many of these apps, the lending, you know, uh, I attended a seminar which actually was talking about, you know, $30 is what is required to change the lives of people. And you simply don't have the $30. Nobody lends you that kind of money. Mm -hmm. So the microfinance, 
right? So all of this has been made possible because of the uh, uh, adoption of technology. Again, smartphones, I would say, uh, has totally revolutionized the landscape in India. And because of that, more and more people are actually getting into that space where they can at least dream of having that economic power. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I know we settled the, the, the debate in the first question, but out of curiosity, how effective is the promotion of financial literacy for women and girls in the country? I, I think it goes beyond the financial literacies. Financial literacy is definitely a part of it, but it goes beyond the financial literacy of just literacy. So how many women and girls, girls and women in that order, have access to education? Mm -hmm. So this is also where I feel uh, that the technology is kind of disrupted. So, you know, uh, uh, again, because of accessibility to smartphones, a lot more, lot more girls and women have access to information, not necessarily education, but access to information. Mm -hmm. In that same, if I continue the same uh, uh, trend, I think financial literacy is definitely important because still, if you take a country like India, still a lot of women girls and women, again, in that order, do not have access to finances. Mm -hmm. And because of that, they're not financially dependent. Mm -hmm. So it is important. Have we actually moved the needle? I left India about 20 years back. So have we moved the needle? Definitely, yes. My only concern is that we are not moving the needle fast enough. Mm -hmm. All right. OK. Um... Let's move on. I wanted to ask another question on this, but um, let's let's move on. Um, one of Head's talks' favorite topics is the morphing of roles on the the executive leadership table and leadership in general. Um, I'd like to ask some questions in this this area. This is this is sort of a few questions on leadership. You described yourself as an innovative leader. What do you mean by this? So when I say innovative, you know, uh, we live in, especially with COVID pandemic, we have only seen the acceleration of that. We live in a world which is extremely VUCA. So it's volatile, it's unpredictable. Uh, we just don't know how the future looks like. So we need a lot of innovation to actually prepare ourselves for the future, both at an individual level and I would say more at an organizational level. So a lot of disruptions are happening in the uh, market, the customers that we serve, the segments that we serve. And if you're not innovative enough and by innovate, innovation, what I truly mean is uh, how do we do things differently? How do we... Uh, challenge the status quo? How do we actually make mistakes and then learn from that mistakes? You know, the fail, fail fast, learn fast uh, thought process, which is nothing but the growth mindset. So mm -hmm. how do we actually take the organization to the next level where you simply can't follow a waterfall approach? You do not know what's coming next. And as I said, with the COVID pandemic, it's only accelerated. So we simply do not know how quarter one next year looks like. So if you're not innovative enough, if you're not thinking out of the box, if you're not bringing in new ideas, maybe something worked in, uh, and I'm in a staffing uh, industry. Uh, however, I come from a power and energy industry. So if you would think that, you know, something that worked in the power and energy industry may not necessarily work for staffing. This is this has always been a thought process. Innovation is as simple as saying, you know, it worked in power and energy. Can I actually transfer it to staffing and making it work here? So this is how I would describe my style of leadership as well. It's more about challenging the status quo to actually help uh, individuals across the organization uh, to think out of the box, to come up with ideas that we might not never thought of would have worked in a normal world. Mm -hmm. I'm just li listening to your answer. Would, would you say you need 
entrepreneurial skills to lead today? Definitely entrepreneurial skills coupled with an understanding of how human psychology works because you know we we are in a a world also where most organizations have at least five generations working at the same time right mm-hmm. so it's also about not just the entrepreneurial spirit which is i think absolute uh, key to have an innovative spirit because you you simply cannot have bureaucratic approach when you are uh, on an uh, mm-hmm. innovation path right you just need to move fast speed is the key but mm-hmm. also an understanding of how people collaborate how people from different generations how people from different backgrounds how people from diff- completely different thought processes how do they collaborate and how do you actually bring the teams together to make not necessarily individual successes but how do you make the team a success mhm okay so what what would you say is definitely in and what is definitely out in leadership today definitely out is the command and control uh so again i i i take you back probably 100 years you know when we talk mm-hmm. about industrial revolution so this is where you know titles and just look at the titles if you look at the titles from the past supervisor this is really someone supervising your job mm-hmm. right which kind of paved way for manager now if you see more and more organizations are using the title of leader so command and control of you know i tell you uh, the hierarchical i tell you and you do it that's completely out and what is in i would say is a context setting so this is where the purpose becomes extremely important so you need to have a clear why of the organization plus an individual why that actually amplifies the organizational why so you set context for your teams you mm-hmm. set context for the extended teams that you work with it could be partners it could be suppliers you set context and within the context people can actually operate so from a leadership perspective i would say what is definitely in today is context setting what is in today sorry i didn't get that point. context setting all right context setting oh yes yes indeed um what is your biggest challenge in your current leadership role so my my biggest challenge i would you say you laughed then so something something amusing <laughs> <laughs> something my current leadership challenge is you know the lack of travel So I'm working actually in global teams and mm-hmm. I really started this job without meeting most of the uh, people that I work with it was all everything started in the virtual world so oh. I'm also starting to realize that how you inspire people in a physical setting is very different from how you inspire people in a virtual setting so mm-hmm. without actually having having met them without actually having understood in in the true sense of you know i meet them i see the body language i see the i can sense the voice modulations i there's so much that physical aspect gives you to actually completely working out of a virtual world mm-hmm. is the biggest challenge i have today all right okay well we were hoping that this virtual while it's quite useful and it's great when we have hybrid events and we have sort of in terms of increasing numbers it will not remain as the main way of working with each other um okay this this two part question will be asked to all the guests in the new series so let me end this episode of heads talk with this reshma what is the new fintech app that you cannot do without and why 
So the, the one fintech app, I don't know if you classify it as new or old, I would say living in Switzerland is Twint. I cannot live without Twint. All right. Okay, that's, that is concise and that's precise. And the second part to that question is, what is the solution that you think has yet to be developed, but sits firmly within the fintech world once available? Not an expert, so I answer it from the, uh, the, with the lack of expertise that I have. I think uh, blockchain is one of those that I hear and I read more and more getting the popularity and the acceptance in the fintech world. So a lot around, you know, how do you, how do, you do the date stamping, for example, for all of the transactions so that you can't go back and alter uh, uh, the, the data. Mm-hmm. This is something I, I truly believe that uh, is something that is very specific for the fintech world and which probably, again, uh, with, with my lack of expertise, I say this, probably is going to be the true disruption as well in the fintech world. Mm, that's interesting. As I, as I mentioned, I asked this question to all the guests so far that I've interviewed, and there's obviously a, there's a batch to come thereafter. And you've all come up with very interesting um, answers to the second part of the last question. So it'd be fascinating for um, the listeners to listen to all the different answers for that same particular question at the end. Um, Reshma Ramachandran, It's been an absolute pleasure. Many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you so much, Ellen, for having me. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.